Turn with me, please, today. I don't have a title for today's message, so just come up with your own. Um, turn with me, please, to 2 Kings chapter 2. I, I was supposed to, and I made sure I told the Lord that the plans were supposed to be a certain way, and I don't appreciate him changing them. Um, and I mean that more today than normal. But uh, anyway, he didn't answer because he doesn't really care what I think half the time. So... Uh, I, had, I wanted to finish the pastoral gift of the pastor today because it was a three-parter and uh, we're doing that on the radio in order and on the radio I don't like changing up starting something and then stopping and putting something else and then you know what I mean and so uh, I would prefer just to get this sermon finished but I woke up this morning and I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly and he said I don't want you to talk about that you can talk about that the next time the next time but I want you to talk about something else this morning and and I kind of uh, said well Lord are you sure blah 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 because there's all these reasons why I need to get this done and he said to me he said this will be a rescue to some I said, I don't care about their rescue. I care about the radio order. I want the radio to be organized. And, I, and then, and then I, I didn't say that because that would be stupid to say that because obviously if he wants to rescue people, then I think that's more important than having an order organized radio system, okay? Um, and really you are far more important than the radio audience, <laughs> okay? Um, but anyway, so I... I, I, the Lord said, I want you to share this. So uh, can you just go with me today? Those of you watching, we love you. We, we miss you. And thank you for turning in your Bibles with us. Uh, don't just, you know, be ironing or, or, or working or whatever. No, seriously. No, because that's what people do. They're, they're out there playing their stuff and got everything going. And you wouldn't do that at church. So if you want to honor God properly, then even if you are home, pay attention. Sit down right now. Open your Bibles. Get your notebook out. And act like you are here even though you're not here. Amen. Um, <clears throat> Praise God. I was talking to Pastor Randy who was up at the Oasis property because we're, we're, he's bringing some ministers and going to help us advertise it to other churches. Plus, he's going to be instrumental in helping us, which we won't talk about right now, but uh, he, he's going to be very instrumental in helping us with our new evangelism thrust starting in September. And so we were talking about that with him and some of the leaders were up there and he was giving, sharing the vision with us and explaining to us how it works. And I'm very, very excited. Uh, we'll talk about that in the the next few weeks. It's not, it's not the right thing time to do now. But anyway, I said to him, how's your church going? He's just in Brampton. He's not far from here. I said, how's your church going? And, and he's, he's 73. He's been in ministry longer than I have. And he's got a larger church than I have. And he said, uh, he said well, to be honest with you, he said, uh, I've discovered something that Christians are just downright lazy. Wow. And he's a very nice man. He doesn't normally say that. I mean, I say that, but he doesn't say that. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we only have about 60%. Wow. And he said, and, and, then, and then they'll watch and then they'll tell me they're too busy to come to church because COVID made them lazy. Yeah. And now it's easier just to keep their pajamas on and watch. Wow. And he said, and not only do they, the, the, is that, he said, but then others tell me that while they're watching the people watch because other family members snitch on family members, well, they're doing work and they're baking and they're, and they're out in the pool and they're doing this and that. And you're just in the background, pastor. They're not even sitting there paying attention. And he said, so he said, you know, I don't expect uh, after a pandemic to have 60 at, at our best Sunday, 80% uh, returning. He said, uh, that's kind of discouraging. 
And I said, well, Pastor, I understand. I mean, I didn't tell him that our numbers are better than that. We're over 90% of people that are back. But you don't tell somebody that who's got 60%. So I just said, you know, we've, we've, we've encountered to a lesser degree, but we've encountered the same thing. And I just want to encourage, just want to remind you, you know, when it comes to your job, if your boss said you can't work from home, if your boss, because some bosses have said that because they actually save money that way. But if your boss says, I don't want you working from home and I want you to come back to regular schedule because you make money and you have an invested interest in that thing called a job, you would not argue. You would be there in the same outfit, the same dress code you had before. You'd be there on time and you'd be doing the same thing. Why? Because you get something from it called money. And you actually get something. You say, but I don't get much from here. I actually give to this place, but I don't get much. No, no, no. You're not looking at it right because what you get in money to buy groceries is important and part of life. But what you get from the word and from the local church to renew your mind, to give you weaponry for your future is actually far more valuable than a paycheck because you can get a paycheck anywhere, but you can't get truth anywhere. So the same way you would treat them with honor, I, don't, I just plumb believe God expects you to treat him with greater honor than you would your boss. And if you can come, which you can, you should be here. You should be here. I, for a man is kind and is gentle, and he is a gentle-natured man. For a kind, gentle man, you know him, Brother Greg. Brother Greg used to be the youth pastor there before he took over. And, and, and for him, in his kindness to say, they're lazy COVID has made people lazy. In the States, they're still trying to, they can't get people to work. They're even lazier. Canada, we're at the lowest, the lowest since 1976 of, of unemployment. So people across this nation are working far more than Americans are working. The lowest unemployment rate since 1976 right now, which means there's more people working today than the only time more people worked in Canada was 1976. So we are not following the U.S. Uh, curve of laziness when it comes to our jobs. But oh my God, when it comes to the church, it's another story. And that is despicable. And that, I'm telling you, we're trying to raise up an army for a revival. People can't even put God more, see of him more important than their own jobs. You know, we're, it's a lost cause. Anyway, praise the Lord. So read with me in 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm warning you a little bit. I'm a little bit high this morning. Um, I'm pumped full of drugs. I'll ex no, I am. I'll explain why. So I might not be quite myself. I might say things that I don't normally say. But I have the excuse because of medicinal reasons. And maybe that's why God wants me to say this, Jenny, because he knows I'm just going to say maybe without as much finesse. Old people have no finesse. Have you ever learned that? The older you get, the more they're tired of explaining themselves because they know they only got so much time left on the planet. So they just tell you and they let you figure it out. Well, I'm not old, but I'm going to act old today. I'm going to let you figure it out. Second Kings chapter two, chapter two, please. And have a look there with me. This is, uh, this is our 2020 U Jericho year. And uh, I want to read it just to remind you in verse 14, uh, 13. And he took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. This was our 21 year at the, at the Jordan bank. 
there was much obstacles which represented the river and much revelation which represented the river parting. And then he said, 2022 will be the stop at Jericho. And he gave me seven, eight reasons why. I'm only talking about one of them right now. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves on the ground before him. That was an increase. There was more people that yielded to his anointing. And the Lord said, in this year, you're going to start to see the church start to grow. And then recently he said that was reserved for the second half of the year, not the first. And that's why he's putting such an emphasis on evangelism. That's why there's a lot of things that are happening in the spirit because that's word from God has to come to pass. And, and growth has to come because the glory center is coming and growth has to come in order for us to do that. But anyway, that's not what I'm focusing on today. And it says, uh, verse 16, and they, and they said unto him, behold, now let's just skip verse 16 because they just want to go and look for Elijah. They think he's still alive. He's not. Anyway, so uh, they, let's go down to verse 19. And the men of the city said to Elisha, behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is not or barren and the ground bare. In other words, the water was so bad that the crops wouldn't even grow. That's how bad the water was. It was toxic water. And he said, bring me a new cruise, that's a little bottle, and put salt therein. And they brought it to him, and he went forth to the spring of the water. I've stood right there where they do it in Jericho right now. There's a thing called the, the spring of Elisha. And you can still see the water bubbling up out of the ground. And you can, you can stand there. I took a picture. And, uh, and, he said, and he put salt therein, and they brought it to him, and he went forth to the, springs, the spring of the water and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spoke. And so one of the many things that the Lord had given me at our, uh, which I had preached um, in, in uh, earlier, I think it was in July at some point, but um, he had given me different things about this year, 2022. And one of them was that, uh, that it would be a time that the sweet waters of Jericho would carry us into 2023. That was one of the points, that things are going to get better. I don't give a rip what the government says. I don't care what the banks say. I don't care what the interest rates say. I really don't care what Russia says or anybody else says. I heard God say to me, it's going to start getting better in your life and in your church for those that will believe me. If I have to do miracles for them, I'll do miracles. If I have to go against the accustomed order of nature, I'll do that, but I will keep my word. Then he paused and he said, but there's a condition to this wonderful promise that the sweet waters of Jericho will carry you into 2023. And he said, what the condition is, is that there has to be a cruise of salt thrown into the water. And so I had to do some research because to be honest with you, I know salt means preservation, but I didn't really know what salt represented. So I did a study of Greek, uh, of, of Hebrew and, and Old Testament symbolism. And I discovered that uh, every time you see salt in the Old Testament, it speaks of holiness. It speaks of righteousness. It speaks of right living and consecration. Salt speaks of consecration. That means putting yourself... Uh, putting down what you want and doing what God wants. That's holy living. That's you're righteous when you say, but there are paths, plural of righteousness and you are to continue growing in righteousness as you go. So you became righteous on one level, but the righteousness continues to grow on another level, which is another word for that is holiness or consecration. And that is becoming more like Jesus every day. And so I realized that when the Lord said to me, he said, did you notice? I said for him to put salt in a new vessel. Not a broken down old vessel. He said, I expect their bodies, their minds, I want to make them new. 
I want them to be clean and I want that salt which represents consecration and holiness. I want it to live and breathe in them. And if they will, you, you being the vessel, if you will be salt, if you will be clean, if you will be separated and consecrated and, and not perfect, but, but Lord, I'm doing the best I know to do to live right for you. If that's you, your life goes into that water and it will make it sweet for you. And if you don't, you'll be like everybody else in his bitter waters. And so the Lord was dealing with me about that recently, and I'll tell you the context of it in a second. And he said, uh, uh, there's reasons why certain things happen. And he said, uh, I'm trying to get the people to get their salt in the water. Now, if I was Randy, I would say in the doggone water. He's trying to get the people to get their lives to be salt and to get into the water so that he can make the water around you sweet because it was the salt that made it sweet. And that's a symbolic parallel that when we live, when we make that effort to live right before God, then I just, just stay with me. Don't, don't jump to conclusions. I'm going, taking you on a little bit of a journey. If we'll do that, things start getting better. Now, in general, that applies all the time. You don't need a word from God. If you live right, things get better. But when he gives me a word as a pastor of this church, a, a rhema word, and he says, the sweet waters of Jericho, son, are going to carry you into 2023 and tell the people that some of them have gone through such bitter situations. It has been so hard. It has been so laborsome, but things are about to get easier. They're about to get sweeter and they're about to get better. Now that's not just for me to go, oh, that's nice. That's like a little cuddly encouragement. That is God telling me, I want you to tell them that even though they've gone through so much and yet they've been faithful, many of them, things are going to get better and I'll do it even if I have to do miracles for them. If nothing in the natural lines up, I will make sure it happens. But before you get too excited, son, you got to pour your salt into that water because that's the only thing that made it sweet. And he said to me, now when I guide you and when I lead you on things to make adjustments on, I expect you to obey me. And if you obey me, I'll do the miracles for you. And if you didn't ask me to be perfect. And if you don't obey me, you're, you're just going to go through what the world goes through. You're still going to heaven. I still love you. But you're going to reap the same harvest they reap. Because now you don't have the divine flow helping you. Are you, are you with me? So this morning, I, I had a wonderful message. In fact, it's right here. It's beautiful. It's very nice. You see that? How lovely that is? <laughs> wonderful message to finish on the pastoral office. And the Lord said, no, not now. Despite the radio. He said, because it will be a rescue to some, and I want you to share. I said, Lord, I don't like sharing personal things. It's none of their beeswax. He said, but it would be a rescue to some. So will you do it for me? I'd do anything for Jesus. Jesus barely have to sniff at me, and I'll give my life for him. So if he wants me to share this with you, despite it being a little bit uncomfortable for me. I'll happily do it because he asked me to do it. But I'm asking you to pay attention and really listen because I don't want to do this. And if it wasn't for Jesus asking me, I'd be doing something else this morning. Do you understand? And I want you to listen because it will, it will help some of you. And some of you who think you don't need to listen, you're the one that needs to listen the closest. I'm serious. Okay. So he said to me, he said, uh, I want you to tell them your story. Oh, God. I said, okay. And so, if you know me at all, and my wife knows me, 
I am very rarely sick and I'm very rarely injured. I can, I, I don't even remember the last time I go, I mean, I do, I guess if I really think hard, but I'm very rarely sick and I'm very rarely injured. I'm a, I'm a fast paced person. My wife can attest to that. And I'm moving with the vision and we're running and brother Randy calls me a bull in a China shop. Not exactly sure what that means, but he says, you just break everything around you that doesn't conform with the, with the plan of God. Maybe that's a good thing. And so I, I'm a strong person. But last week we had in a situation that happened. We had to leave Oasis and come down to deal with something in the city that was an emergency. And, uh, and, and, and within, um, within two hours, I, had, I, I sprained my ankle and I sprained my, my finger. And I was in pretty agonizing pain. I couldn't sleep. Uh, you know, when the pain is that great, you, you wake up every few minutes. I, I can't rest. I couldn't walk properly. I said to Jenny, maybe I won't go back up to Oasis, but I have to because Pastor Randy's coming to view the property and to talk to us about evangelism. And then we have 27 people to be baptized. I, how can I not go? I have to go. But, but, but there was just a lot of pain. And so at first, I, maybe you're different. Maybe you're more spiritual. But at first, I just tried to ignore it like it didn't happen. Then you go through phases. Then, 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 you, then you, you don't believe that it did happen and it's just in your mind. But then when you try to walk, you can't walk, you realize it's not in your mind. Then you, you, you go through guilt. Then you go through anger. Then you go through blame. Well, it was your fault, Jennifer. You pushed me down anyway. She didn't push me. But all that happened within a couple hour period and I heard the Holy Ghost say, would you like to talk to me? I said, no. I actually don't want to talk to you because I know that there's an answer. And, and I'm just being frank with you. So I went to bed. I didn't, I didn't want to pray and I didn't want to talk to him. I was just mad. I was going through the phases. Grief, anger, betrayal, blame, depression. I went through all of them that night. <laughs> Remember that, Jenny? Thursday night. Thank you. Obviously, none of you were praying for me on Thursday, but, but thank you. So I went through all the phases and, and, then, I, and then I heard, and I said, oh, I'm not talking. So I went to sleep in rebellion, man. I went to sleep. But that next morning, as soon as I opened my eyes, Holy Spirit was right there in my room. He said, I'd like to talk to you. I said, I don't want to talk to you because I don't want to know what I did. I just want to blame the devil. The devil is the one. So he said, I just, but I, but I yielded, you know, sometimes after you've had a sleep, you feel better. And so I just yielded my, myself and I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll pray and wait on you until you speak to me. I figured because I had been rebellious, he was going to make me wait at least six hours in prayer before he whispered something to me. It was the fastest answer I've ever got in my entire life. I prayed in tongues for 12 seconds and the audible voice of God came to me. He was not trying to get me to wait and suffer, even though I deserve that, because I wouldn't talk to him the night before. He's not like us. He doesn't punish us the way that we would punish ourselves. He was white waiting for me just as soon as I would turn my heart toward him, he had an answer for me. And he spoke to me very loudly and very clearly. And he said, I'll tell you where the open door was. Now, let me tell you something. Dad Hagen, Dr. Dufresne always said this. Christians should not be having accidents. They should not be getting sick. But, you know, that's nice for them to say it, but what does the Bible say? I do trust them, but what does the Bible say? So I went in on a research project, and I, and I discovered you can't find one part in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or the book of Acts, where Jesus was ever sick and where Jesus ever had an accident. No, Not one time. No. 
Now you find many times where they, where they attacked him. You find times where he had to cover himself and escape and run out the temple where God might have made him invisible on that cliff and he walked through the midst of them. There were many opportunities of him to be hurt, but he wasn't. There were many attacks and, 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 and there were many temptations because he, he said he, was, he, was, he suffered in all areas of temptation the same way we are. So he was tempted with pornography. He was tempted with lots of things, but he didn't, he didn't yield to any of it. But when it came to getting sick, you don't have one record. When it came to him having an accident, you don't have one record. Not one record, which means what Dad Hagen and Dr. Dufresne said is true because they've got scripture for it. I never heard them say that, but, but maybe they did. I never heard them say it that way, but I found that there's not one reference. So that means that if Jesus never was sick or had accidents, if you're following the Holy Ghost, you should not be sick or having accidents. That doesn't put guilt and condemnation on you, but you do need to hear somebody say it. If you get sick, there is a reason. There is always a reason. There is always a cause. There is always an open door every time you get sick. Now, I didn't say if you're persecuted. That doesn't mean that that you've done anything to open a door. If people hate you for the gospel, mock you, hurt you, try to attack you, that doesn't mean you've done anything because that happened to Jesus and he never did anything wrong. The devil just uses people to frontal assault you sometimes and sometimes he to send demons to frontal assault you. That doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Do you understand? It's just that you're, you're fulfilling the plan of God. But if you're getting sick, I'm trying to help you understand something because you need to settle this in your mind. If you ever get sick, it's never because of persecution. And you see, the church world has tried to pervert this over the years to try to make you think that thought Paul had a thorn in his flesh that was sickness and that the devil, you know, that sickness can come even if you haven't opened a door and that's false doctrine. First of all, it wasn't sickness and there's no indication that it was sickness in the Bible. That is some guy smoking something in a room somewhere that come up with that false doctrine. It was not sickness. He did not have eye problems. He did not have any other kind of problems. It was a demon spirit that was buffeting his mind. There was no sickness attached to it. Okay? And that was coming because of the churches. That was coming because he was being buffeted because of revelation. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't open a door for that attack to come. Jesus didn't open a door and many attacks came. But you'll never find a Christian who was following the Holy Ghost getting sick and then saying the devil did that. The devil does not have a right. He has a right in certain areas. He does not have a right in other areas. He does not have a right to cause you to ever get sick unless you open the door to him. Every time you're sick, you have done something to cause it. I'm being very clear so that there's no ambiguity. If you're following the Holy Ghost, you will never be sick. Ever. And if you follow the Holy Ghost, you will never have an accident ever. Not, not sometimes ever. It makes it very nice and easy. If there's a problem, it means you've opened a door somewhere. So instead of blaming everybody else, go through the phases of grief and blame and all that stuff if you have to. But better yet, just bow your head and ask the Holy Ghost to help you. And I promise you, he'll talk to you. If you're, if you're just, because he wants you to know more than you want to know. He wants to help you more than you want to get help. I promise you. And so he repeated that to me. He said, son, you know, the devil can't just put sickness on you as an attack because of persecution. That's outside his boundaries. The devil can't cause an accident just because of persecution, because you're following my plan. That's outside his boundaries. You don't see that in the Bible. That means it's outside his boundaries. That's how we know it's outside his boundaries. 
that he can attack you when you're in my will because of the gospel in different areas, but it will never come with sickness and it will never come with accidents. I said, I, I know that, Lord. Dad Hagen taught us that. I know your word says that. And he said, so therefore, for you to have two accidents within an hour of themselves would mean you can't blame the devil, can you? Now listen, the devil still is behind it. But I'm not just perfect because he authored it. But he can't, it's beyond his boundaries to enter unless I, cr I crack something. Do you understand? He cannot just do that arbitrarily. He's not allowed to. God doesn't let him. There's certain things in the world that's where God does not allow. He does not allow the devil to attack you with sickness or accidents if you're living right. But if you crack it, you give him a place at all. The Bible says, give, therefore, no place to the devil. If you give him a place, even a tiny inch, he will come through that thing. And he always brings with him sickness and accidents. Are you listening? So the next time, don't be blaming the devil. He is behind it, but you better blame yourself before you blame the devil. And I told you, nobody likes this kind of preaching, but this kind of preaching will actually help you. Because I'm interested in not, not having problems. And so he said to me real quick, when, when I was praying just very short, and I heard him say, uh, you open the door, and he told me where. He said, you open the door. Now he said, you know, the devil does not have the right to put accidents on you. And I never train you with accidents or sickness because I'm a good God and I have good and perfect gifts and accidents and sickness are not perfect gifts. He said, so you know the devil just can't come because he wants to. He wants to, but he doesn't have the right. If you don't walk in the spirit right and you crack something, it's, son, it's not, I can't stop those things. He reminded me, he said, I can permit things. He said, at times, are you listening to me? He said, at times, even when you make mistakes, because of, I, I'm perfect, you're not perfect, and I know everything, you don't. And I know how far along you are, and I know how many times you've rejected the counsel of the Spirit, and I know everything about you, and you don't even know everything about you. But in my perfect judgment, even when you miss it, I can put my hand over you. Even though the devil has a right to come, I can protect you from him out of mercy. He said, but when I've warned you, and I've warned you, and I've warned you, and you don't, I then can take my hand away and permit him to come to get your attention. And he reminded me of Dad Hagen, who God had warned and warned and warned about certain things in his ministry, and he did not listen. And then God took his hand away, and he fell, hurt his elbow. That when he was in the hospital, Jesus walked down the hallway. That was one of the visions that he had, and Jesus sat for an hour and a half and talked to him in the room. And he said, you better be grateful that I allowed this to happen. I did not cause it. The devil is behind that. I don't author these things, but I allowed it to happen. In other words, I can protect you even when you miss it because, of, because I'm merciful because you're in a season of mercy. But if you don't pay attention, I, I can allow things to happen to slow you down and get your attention because if I don't, it's going to cost you a much larger, in his case, he would have died at 55. Jesus told him that in the vision. The way you're going, you'll be in your grave at 55. Rhema would have never existed because it started in a, when he was 57. So what we know, would never, we would have never known any of that stuff. Because thank God Jesus let him hurt the elbow. Thank God he took his hand away. So the Lord said to me, he said, many things, listen, I'm just helping, I'm trying to help you, telling, tell you I wasn't planning on this. I'd rather not share this. Pastor Nancy tells us stories, but she always tells us after the fact. And I said, Lord, they tell us stories, but months later, 
It's not fair that you're making me do this now. But he said it will be a rescue for some. So obviously, if I wait, certain people are going to have trouble in their life that God wants to rescue them through my testimony this morning. And I'm asking you to listen very closely so that you don't think that you're all that perfect. He said to me, there's many times I've protected you even when you have opened the door. Because my hand of mercy is beyond what you can imagine. He said, but at times I will take that away. And this time I took it away. And that's why you had two problems within an hour of each other. And he said, and you had to slow, I had to get your attention. I could talk to you about some stuff. You won't listen to me. So he told me something. And I said, but Lord, (laughs) I can't tell you what it is. But I said, but Lord, I said, this is, some people wouldn't even consider this even wrong. Others might, but it's vague. It's a very gray area. It is very, very small. And I said, and Lord, furthermore, I've done this quite a time, number of times before. Because some people don't even think it's got anything wrong with it. And I said, I sometimes don't even really know if there's anything wrong with it. And it, it, it is something to do with how I dealt with somebody, somebody else. Something I had said. So I said, and Lord, most people, if I ask them, is this wrong? They'd say, no, not in that situation. It's not even wrong. I said, so Father, this is a very small thing. I said, and you're telling me you took your hand away from me because I did that? And he gave me two answers. I'm trying to help you. These are things that pertain to the spirit. He said, I won't remind, tell you the, all the details, but he said, do you remember you were in a certain city on, at a certain year? And I said, yeah. He said, do you remember there was a minister that you didn't know? I said, yeah. Do you remember that he spoke to you by the spirit in the service and warned you about something? I said, yeah. He said, that was your warning. He said, do you remember I've reminded you of that repeatedly since that time? I said, yeah, but Lord, this doesn't really, it's not kind of the same thing. He said, yes, it is. He said, what you call gray, I call black and white. That taught me something. What you call gray, because society and the demonic atmosphere we live in tries to to make everything so loosey-goosey. And and he said, what you call gray, I call black and white. He said, you're making it sound like this is okay, because based on your society, it's okay. But based on my society, it's not okay. And I warned you. Okay. So you warned me, Lord. You warned me, and I thank you for that. But I didn't really listen because society pressures you into a mold. So he said, that's the first thing I warned you. And the second thing is he said, uh, the season of mercy in this area has ended. Because you've given you time. See, he's very faithful. Now he said, I won't tell you all the times that I've saved you. Even when you open the door by this thing. Because I knew you didn't get it. And mercy causes me to extend my hand. But the mercy in this area, he said, other areas you're dealing with, there's mercy still. But he said, in this area, because I've warned you, and I've warned you repeatedly, and now you're trying to take my warning and make it gray. Trying to justify it. He said, because of that, because of that, he said, I took my hand away. And he said, I want you to pay attention, son, at how fast the devil is to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to scare you. We are not afraid of the devil. But if you don't walk in the spirit, you better be afraid of the devil. 
So everybody's got this little, the devil's defeated. Yes, he is. But he is a very worthy adversary and he is a lot smarter than you. And he's been around for millions of years and he stood before the throne room of God as an angel and he knows a lot more than you. I'm telling you, he does. People get all weird about the devil, this, that, and they have no idea what they're talking about. The devil is a worthy opponent. I'm not afraid of him. I have authority over him and I'm not giving him any credit. But what I am saying is that he is very cunning. He is very crafty and he's very lethal. And you in your flesh will lose to him every time. He will kill you. He is a master assassin and you don't know what you're talking about if you don't know that. You're just in some Christianese bubble that you're ignorant. He is a master assassin. Now when you're in the spirit, he has no rights, he has no place, he has no portion, and he will go down every time if you're in the spirit. And if you play games when God warns you, there's a rescue to some of you. If you play games when he warns you and he will be merciful for a season and if you don't listen, as soon as, I'm telling you, the devil is such an, a master assassin. The moment he moves his hand, he's in. I'm telling you. And the Lord said, you better be grateful it was your foot and your finger and not something else. He said, because it could have been something else that put you in the hospital for six months. In other words, his attitude on this was very different to my attitude why it happened. I don't think that's fair. It's a gray issue. He just assassinated all of that. He said, I want you to tell the people Sunday morning as a rescue to them because some of them I've been dealing with and they won't listen to me. Just like you didn't listen to me. <laughs> so anyway, I, I move on and, and uh, you know, thank God for Miss Danielle Cletus, who's a kinesiologist and a physiotherapist and she helped and she did the massage and it's amazing how, who would have thought? how that kind of stuff can help so much. Because I'm like in agonizing pain and she does her little thing, whatever she does, you know, for 15 minutes and I can walk almost perfectly. But then nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours later, it's back kind of, it's better, but it's getting better, but it's back. So you know what I'm saying? So anyway, thank God for that. But so last night, you know, our pool just opened for the first time this week. So the kids are splashing and jumping and doing fun things and we're, they're just having a ball. And so we're just having family time and I come in and Jenny goes to bed and, uh, and I'm getting, you know, in the evening hours and all of a sudden a new problem shows up at a different part of my foot that was more painful than the original problem. And I mean, I can't walk. You don't understand. I can't walk. Like I can't walk. I am hobbling, holding on the wall. And I mean excruciating pain just to put any pressure on my foot. And I'm thinking, how am I going to preach tomorrow? What's going to happen? And then I'm thinking, don't tell me I did something else wrong. Because I don't think emotionally I can handle anything else that I've done wrong. I've already, because you, you beat yourself up. If you're like me, you'll beat yourself up more than, more than anybody else beats you up. Certainly God's not trying to beat you up. But I, I kind of internalized that when he told me on Friday morning. It, it was hard on me, but I'm grateful for the correction. I'm grateful for the correction, but I, but I still beat myself up a little bit because I should have been better than that. And I think if you're a good hearted person, you'll probably do a little bit of the same. We shouldn't beat ourselves up, but it's human nature. So I've kind of just kind of finally got over that by Saturday night. And, that, and now another problem, I, I can't take it if I've done something else wrong. And so I said, I'm not talking to you tonight either. <laughs> so I went to sleep. But, but little Lukey came to me and he said, daddy, can I have hands on you? I've been baptized now. So he prayed the prayer of faith for me. He did. 
And I felt something come into my foot when he prayed. It was still painful, but I felt something come in when he put his hand on me. And so I said, thank you, honey. And I went to sleep, had a good sleep, woke up this morning. It was not quite as bad, but I could still barely walk when I woke up. I'm just giving you a story here. I'm helping you in real life understand. Okay. And so I went into the shower and I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready to talk to you now. I've had a sleep. You know my pattern. I'm ready to talk to you. I said, what did I do wrong? What, what opened the door in this situation? And he spoke to me very clearly. He said, you did nothing wrong. Really? I could have talked to you last night about that. He said, you, no, he said, he said, you did nothing wrong. He said, you didn't open the door at all. He said, this is a frontal assault of the devil to try to discourage you and to try to cripple you. He said, now, son, speak to it. Now, when he tells me to speak to something, it means that I'm in the clear. My heart is right. Because before he didn't tell me to speak to it. He said to repent and to tell me where I missed it and why I missed it and how long I missed it and about the hand of mercy and about the gray zone and about all this stuff. He didn't say anything about confession or speaking because we talk so much about confess, speak, answer, but you first got to be right. You've got to be right for that to work. Do you understand? When he, he's not going to automatically tell you to answer it if you need to make things right. The answering doesn't work. The authority doesn't function if you're not in confidence in your heart because you're not right before God. Are you with me? When he said, speak to it, it's done. I'm not, I'm not wrong. I haven't, I'm not, I don't need to repent because he wouldn't tell me to speak to it, answer it. If, if I had to repent, he said, son, this is just an attack of the devil. And it was more painful than the first one. He said, now speak to it. He explained, he said, some of it happened last night with your little son who had more faith than you. Because when you're feeling down, I'm telling you, it's hard to believe God sometimes. Oh, and all you can feel is pain. Emotional pain, physical pain, whatever, mental pain, whatever kind of desire, I have compassion, I understand. That just can overwhelm you. But anyway, he said, it started last night when your son laid hands on you. He said, but I want you to speak to it. And I, you, know, you don't always feel like it, because, but I spoke. I said, nah, I, and I said, now you listen to me, you bones, you sinews, muscles, tissues, tendons. I command you in Jesus' name. Straighten up. Now, nothing seemed any different, but I released my faith. That's right. yeah. I still hobbled to the room and hobbled here and hobbled there and hobbled there, but all the way down in the car, I said, now, I said, Lord, anything you want? See, you need to ask God. Instead of use your confession book, right. ask God. He said, there's nothing wrong with another phrase, but what he probably said, he said, just keep saying, thank you, Father, I'm whole. Amen. Thank you, Father, I'm whole. So I said, on the way down, thank you, Father, I'm whole. 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 By the time I got out of the car and walked into the green room, I was 95% better from the time I got into the car into that thing. And I can almost walk without pain right now, which I'm telling you is a small miracle because you don't know how painful it was today. Because I, I didn't need to repent. I needed to use my authority. Now, the original opened the door to the devil because I, I did something I did something that I thought was not really that big of a deal, but God found it a big deal. Then I, the second ambassador, he gave me two answers. He said, one was a season of mercy, I warned you. And the other, he said, the reason why this happened, that I took my hand away, because you, you know, the first one was I warned you, you didn't listen. You're trying to gray everything up, but it's not gray, it's black and white. He said, the second reason is he said, because you're entering a season of very little latitude. 
He didn't say I'm in the season. He said, I'm entering into a season. You have very little latitude of error. Meaning, what I'm trying to say is this, meaning what I could get away with before, which I have been getting away with this particular thing before, because he said, you've done this and I've been merciful and I've been blocking the devil from coming in because of your ignorance. But now, now the season of mercy coming in. Why? Because now you're coming into something that requires more of you. With a heavier anointing, with the, with the apostle office moving faster, with different things happening. I'm telling you guys, I'm not just going to make this up. He said, you're coming into something greater. And he said, your, your margin of error has been greatly reduced. So he said, if I were you, son, now listen, when he says that kind of phrase to me, I know it's not, he's not playing games, man. He said, if I were you, son, now listen, it's not going to be what I think. You'd think he'd say, if I were you, son, I'd live right. That's not what he said. He said, if I were you, son, I would ask the Holy Spirit more frequently where you need to make adjustments. He didn't just say live right, which is a general phrase. Everybody knows to live right. Very few people do. But he didn't say that. He said, ask the Holy Spirit more frequently where you need to make adjustments. And he said, if you don't ask, I won't tell. And Dad Hagen said that all the time. There's many things if you don't talk to God about, he won't come to you about it. Are you listening to me? I said, okay, Lord, you're really helping me. First of all, you're helping me to understand that season of mercy in your hand and how that works. And, and many times there is an open door, but because his hand blocks the open door, I'm still safe because of mercy. But if you don't pay attention, eventually that's going to be with, taken away and you're going you're gonna to have problems. But look at this, look at this kindness that he would give you so much time. Our goal, Greg, is not to ever have the hand removed. Our goal is to make the adjustments with the hand there so that we're right. Then when he, then when he does take the hand away in that, in that area of our life, we've already made the corrections and the devil has no open door. Amen. Another thing I learned very valuable from this is that there's, we gray everything up. We have convinced ourselves, our boss, our friends, secular society have convinced us that certain things are okay. And God who lives in perfection, he lives, there's not one ounce of gray in heaven. He is in pure glory. And God's eyes looks at what we're thinking is okay and says, you are completely deceived. That is not okay, even though you think it is. You better listen to me because some of you are doing things that you've convinced yourself are okay. And God is, he's displeased. And he'll keep his hand on you as long as he can. But if he warns you, if he rescues you like this morning and time passes and you don't listen, he will take that away because he is just and he is fair. And he can't keep carrying you forever. You've got to live right. You've got to be righteous before him. You're righteous and born again, but you've got to continue to live righteously. That means consecrated holiness. I learned some stuff. Then I, then I, I appreciated the warning. I appreciated the teaching. I appreciated the understanding. But then he said, if I were you, son. Now listen, when he says it, Greg, he doesn't say that very often to me. When he says it, what I know he's saying, I'm not playing games with you. Yeah. This, is, this is very serious. This is, not, this is not twiddly dinks and, you know, twisting our thumbs. This is a serious thing. He said, if I were you, son. <laughs> now he's not because he's God. But he said, if I were you, son, I would inquire of the Holy Ghost more frequently. 
as to adjustments that you need to make. Because if you inquire of him more, he would warn you and tell you. Remember what he warned? Remember what that minister said to you in that service all those years ago? Remember how God's, I've been reminding you, Craig, all this time? You're not doing it, son. You're not doing it. What you think is gray, God thinks is black and white. You better make an adjustment. If you don't, that season of mercy is going to end and you're going to get hurt. They see, the Holy Ghost would have told me that if I'd asked him, but I don't ask him enough. You know why? Because all of us think we're great. And you got everybody telling you you're great. And that's the danger of going to a church where all they tell you is you're great. Because you know what? You're not great. Most of you are carnal buckets. And that's why people, that's why Christians have just as many accidents and just as much sickness as sinners do. Sometimes more. Because the devil hates you more than he hates the sinner. Because you're, you're, you look like Jesus to him. At least in your spirit, man, you look like Jesus. You've got blood of Jesus on you. He hates you. He'll attack you far, first before he attacks somebody else who's a sinner. He knows they're going to his kingdom. He hates you and he wants every open door he can take. I'm serious, brothers. It says you better pay attention. You better listen. So I'm warning you. God is warning you through me. Please inquire of the Holy Ghost more frequently as to adjustments that you need to make. And then as if a screen, it wasn't a screen, but I don't know how else to explain it. As if a screen came up before me, he started, he started showing me congregation members. Faces come. Some that are in this room right now and some that have left the church. And he said, now you see that one. This is a spiritual experience. And I said, yes. And, he, and, and I heard the Lord say, yeah, they got offended because you asked for offerings. And they've left, and now they're going to suffer. God's not trying to make them suffer, but they've removed themselves from the plan of God. Then another one. I wrote someone down because I knew I'd forget. And he said, you see that one? I said, yes. He said, they refuse to serve in the ministry of helps. They're opening a door to the devil in their family. Your ministry of helps can open a wall? Oh, yes. But here's the key. Here's the key. You can't just say, well, I'm doing, because then you get into weirdness. Well, I'll do nine ministry of helps because you get afraid. No, what's the key? Inquire of the spirit. Inquire of the spirit. Inquire of the spirit. And he will tell you the adjustments to make. You don't have to whitewash this and think that now everything is, and then you get into fear. If you ask the Holy Ghost and he shows you, I want you to serve. And you then say, no. And he's merciful. And he's merciful. And he keeps prompting you. And he keeps prompting you. And you keep being stubborn. Eventually, he will take his hand away. And you're going to have trouble. But it's not about, well, I'm afraid now. So I'll be 12 ministry of helps. It's about Holy Spirit or, or any other category for that matter. Holy Spirit, where do you want me to make an adjustment? You're only accountable because most of us are not doing everything perfect all the time, right? So I'm responsible for the Spirit of God to prompt me because a lot of things God knows, you, you, if I, he tells you everything you have to fix, you'll be overwhelmed. So he's got mercy on a lot of different fronts for you, that he's holding you and protecting you divinely. And you think that you're all that, but you're not. It's his hand that's all that, not you. But when he prompts you, make that adjustment, you better pay attention and make that adjustment. Because he's telling you the hand is going to come off, boy. Make the adjustment. Make the adjustment. Ask him. If he prompts you to tithe and you are not, you better obey him because problems are on the horizon for you. 
And I mean that for me too. Listen to me. He brought up a, a, a man here. He was watching me right now in the sanctuary. And he said, if he doesn't start treating his wife right. I said, do I say it to him? He said, nope. I said, do I counsel him privately? Nope. I said, how will he know? He said, he's got the Holy Ghost, doesn't he? You're not his Holy Ghost, Craig. You're trying to be his Holy Ghost because of your heart of compassion. But he's got the same Holy Ghost you do. And your job is to tell him to inquire, not to tell him where he's missing it. Sometimes I tell you to tell them. Most times I tell you to tell them to ask me. He's, I'm telling you, the person's in this room right now. And he said, he's not treating his wife right. He is being disrespectful to her and controlling. Husbands, you don't have a right to control your wife. Some wives are, maybe they're not like my wife and they, they take liberties where they shouldn't and they rack the credit card and put you in debt and do things that they shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe there's certain control and boundaries that need to be in certain cases. But as a general rule, husbands, you are not some macho, you know, machismo guy that you think you're all that and tell your wife to obey you. And you have a right to control her and tell her what she can and can't do. Who do you think you are? You obviously are outside your righteous mind to think that way. And what she should is use skillet ministry on you. But I'm not saying that because I don't want to get in trouble with God anymore for telling women to beat their husbands. Then I'll have something else that I have to deal with. But God doesn't like controlling husbands who think that they're the... the Try to make that woman feel like she's less and that you've got to obey me. No, that was his Ephesians 5 to 1. We, we are heirs together in the grace. We are heir. We submit to one another in the Lord Jesus. There are things that I submit to Jenny and there's standing things that Jenny submits to me. In general, as the husband, I have to take lead to protect her and my family, but I don't do that with a heavy hand and I don't do that with a, tyr a tyrannical approach. I do that with humility. I do that by asking her, not demanding. And because she's humble and she's right-hearted, when I say, honey, I really feel we need to do this, she yields. And if I'm missing it and she says, because... God will always come to the husband first, typically. But if I'm missing it, which I do sometimes, and she says, honey, I think we need to do this. I, and I, does it bear witness? Yeah, okay, I'm, I, I should have picked that up, Lord, I'm sorry. Thank God for a good wife that picks things up when I miss it. Yes, honey, I yield to you on that. There is no place in that. Now, I'm telling you, you husbands, you better pay attention. Because if you keep doing that, the, there's actually a scripture verse that says that your prayers will be hindered because of how you're treating your wife. And you've sat and you've sat and you've heard and you've heard, you won't listen. You want God to take his hand away from you? You want accidents and sickness? Because you're fixing to get them. I'm not trying to scare you. I told you I'm a little ornery. You can blame Aleve and Tylenol and all these other co co medical companies. It's their fault. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I saw that man. Then I saw somebody else and he said, he said, you see that, that, that one? I said, yeah. He said, they refuse to stop having sex outside of marriage. Now, I already knew that because Greg and I were in the room when we kicked him out of the church with them cussing and swearing like a trucker at us. Cussing at us. When I said, why are you having sex outside of marriage? He looked at me and he said, you don't have a right to tell me what I can do with my penis. And I looked at him and I said, yes, I do. Get out. Because the Bible says, if you live ungodly and unclean in the local church, you are not welcome in the local church. Because that unclean spirit will start to get on other congregation members. 
You see, but the world told him, you've got rights. You can do what you want. It's your truth. It's not the truth. It's your truth. So it's my truth. No, you're deceived, buddy. It's God's truth. And I'm not having that in this church. I'm telling you, it's astonishing, Blair, what people think they can get away with. You want, you love somebody, just marry them. I need 12 minutes of notice. I've always got my notes ready. You can say, Pastor, I'm on the way to the church with two witnesses. I'll meet you there in half an hour. Great. You can have a hotel room and within 90 minutes. Not that that's what it's about and not that that's what I'm promoting, but what I'm saying is I would rather you get quickly married and stop sinning. But nowadays you never know because everybody, all these big churches tell you you can do whatever you want, you can have sex, homosexuality is fine, this is okay, drinking is okay, all this stuff is okay. No, it's not okay. Not in the church of Jesus Christ, not where we are, not where we're going, it's not okay. It's not okay. And I saw that person, he said, yeah. He said, remember, they would, he said, remember, because I'd already gone through it. He said, remember, they got offended because they wouldn't live clean. And now they've left, now there's suffering gonna happen. And it's already happening. Then I saw another one, he said, that one, what, another? He said, that one, they wanted the house to buy the house more than they wanted their church. Now that doesn't apply to everybody. But he showed me one person. And he said, you see that one? He said, they left because it was cheaper. Now they're struggling. <laughs> and then he showed me another couple and he said, they did the same thing, but they humbled themselves to come back and repent to you. And now they're coming back to Toronto. Glory to God. I said, well, Lord, you're, 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 you're really, you're really, you're really feisty. <laughs> like you're just bang, 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 bang. Then he showed me another one. He said, you see that one? They, they won't, renew, they won't, uh, they try to control you. Do you remember that? Oh, I said, I know that one. He said, because they couldn't control you. They wouldn't repent and they got offended and left the church. And he said, they're struggling today. <laughs> I'm telling you, Greggy. Then I saw another one, a minister. And he said, you see him? I said, I know him. I know all about him, Lord. And he said, yes, because he's filled with pride. He said, he separated from you and now he's struggling. You know, he said, oh, I, everything's going to go great. Not going great at all. I'm going to start a church. Church failed. He's out of the ministry. Another one didn't listen. Now they're about to divorce. You said, just, you want to shake people. You, you're not as smart as what you think you are. You're not as strong against temptation as what you think you're going to be. What matters is you've got the Holy Ghost to guide you and you've got pastors to keep you on track and you've got the word that you have to yield to. And if you will do these things, the Holy Ghost will guide you through the minefields of life and you will be in the sweet waters of Jericho. But you have got to put the salt in. You can't not put the salt and expect the sweet. You've got to put the salt. You've got to live clean. And how do you know it? Because there's so many things that we could adjust. I mean, if you're like me, there's lots of things you can adjust. Where do you start? And then the devil will always try to come and put fear on you. Well, and then he attacks you. Well, you did it, and you did it, and if you, I'm going to come in and kill your kids, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, he'll try. And he knows with the kernel of truth, he's got you. Because you're thinking, well, I, well, I am a little bit bad in that, and well I, well, I don't always act right in that. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, God, are you, are you going to protect me? Oh, God, I'm going to lose my kids. You see how fear comes in? Now, the Holy Ghost will never author fear, and this sermon is not authoring fear. This sermon is authoring something very simple. You need to, you need to inquire of the Holy Ghost more frequently. 
areas that you need to adjust. And the areas he tells you, make the adjustment. And the areas he doesn't bring up to you, if you know you're wrong, make those adjustments too. But if he's not bringing them up to you at this moment, it means you're still in that mercy and you're okay because he knows you can only do so much at such a, such, in such a time. Over time, he'll not talk to you about the other things. Just do what he asks you to do today. It's so easy. Greg, don't, don't, don't deal with your kids that way. Okay, I'll make the adjustment, Lord. I humble myself, make the adjustment. Craig, I don't want you to deal with it. Don't say that way to those people like you did this last time that opened the door. Okay, Lord, I'll make the adjustment. I mean, I personally don't really see it's that bit of a big deal, but, but you're telling me it's black and white, not gray, so I'm going to call it black and white, not gray. And I'll never do that again, not as long as I exist on this planet. I will never do that again. And Lord, I thank you for showing me. I'm sorry I missed all those warnings. I'm sorry you had to take your hand away. I'm sorry I had to fail you. But thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your healing. Thank you that it was something relatively small and not something that could have ended my life. Yes. Even in that, I'm t I don't know how to explain it, but even in that, you don't think the devil would have tried to kill Kenneth Hagin if he could have? And yet all he could access was his elbow. You don't think the devil would like to kill us? Even when God takes his hand off and the door is open and that enemy comes in, I'm convinced that there's still fingers there blocking certain things. Because if the devil could kill Kenneth Hagin, he would have not gone after an elbow. He would have killed him outright. And if the devil could have access to me and where we're going and what is the threat to him, he would do more than a little finger and a little ankle. So I'm convinced even when God does remove the hand, there's still some fingers there. That's just my belief on it, but you could have your own belief on it. I'm just saying his mercy is far much greater than any human being can possibly fathom. Even when we deserve it and then deserve it and then deserve it again, he's still endeavoring to save us. So don't you ever judge somebody or judge God, I should say. If you see somebody dying of cancer or dying of sickness as a Christian, don't you ever say God let them down. You have no idea how many times the Holy Ghost was trying to get their attention. And they probably went years with never thinking about it. Ever. And then they die early and everybody blames God. Or worse, blames the devil. He did cause it, but there was always a cause. That's why it matters when you go to church. It matters who's preaching to you. It matters what you're learning. It matters that you know the inner witness. It matters that you know the inner witness. It matters that you know the inner witness. It matters that you know the inner witness of the Holy Ghost because it will save your life. And I don't just mean don't get on that plane. That too. But I'm talking about make the change because he knows if you don't, the devil's on the way, brother. He's a worthy assassin and he knows how to kill you. And he would try to kill you if he can because he hates you. Randy came this close to death. In fact, the pain was so bad. He said to his wife, release me. I want to go home to Jesus. I can't take the pain anymore in the hospital. Randy's never said that. And his wife, Patty, said to me, she said, I, I don't know, like he's a strong man. He's a man of faith. But when he's begging me to let him die, and I know he can't die. The kingdom needs him. She said, I said, Lord, what do I tell this man? He's, he's, he's finished. He's given up. He's hopeless. And the Lord gave her a strategy. He said, do reverse psychology on him. But that came from the Holy Ghost. So she said, okay, fine, Randy. You know what? I'm going to do that. Why don't you just go ahead and die? 
You know, maybe it'd be better for us that you did die so we don't put up your whining anymore. You know, maybe God will raise up another prophet instead of you. Go ahead and die. She did there, and that lit a fire under me. He said, don't you talk to me like that. I'm, not a, I'm the prophet of God. My dad ain't said I'm going to be in the last. Well, then if you believe it, then shut up and get up. Start releasing your faith. Instead of whining about the pain. Although when I'm telling you, in that kind of pain, that's all you can whine about. But God turned it on him. God used that strategy to make him angry. The faith in high side him started bubbling. And he said, no, I'm not dying. No, I'm not dying. God is with us. You know what he's like. And from that moment, he started releasing his faith and he started getting better. And then he told me, he said, that came on me because I disobeyed. He said, I, I wasn't obeying God. God would have me, want me to say things at times. And I knew that if I said it, they'd never invite me back to that church. And I knew they'd hate me. And I knew the pastor would get angry with me. And he said, so I would hold back to spare people's feelings. And he said, the prophet does not have a right to hold back. And he said, I didn't, God warned me. And I didn't, God warned me. And I didn't, God warned me. And I kept disobeying him. And he said, finally, the hand came back. And the devil came in the same day and tried to kill him. I'm telling you, this is not games that we're talking about. So when you hear people that die young, don't you blame God about it. He is faithful to every human being equally. The only difference is not of his problem. The only difference is every human being knows how to hear the Holy Ghost differently. Not every human being has developed the sensitivity to hear the Holy Ghost the same way. And even if they know what the Holy Ghost is saying, not every human being is humble enough to make the changes quickly. But God is never to blame. Ever. He doesn't love me more than you. He doesn't love you more than anybody else. He is no respecter of persons. He will give everybody the same opportunity if you just inquire of him. If you take nothing of today, please, this is a life lesson. This is a life and death lesson. Inquire more of the spirit. Lord, where do I need to make a judge? And don't be discouraged when every time you inquire, he answers you. Because listen, until you're perfect you're always going to get an answer. Kenneth Hagin said, I haven't sinned in years. And he said, that's why I've never been sick in years. Sin and sickness go together. If you don't live clean, you're going to have problems. People can't have babies sometimes. Sometimes it is a physical thing, but sometimes they better go and inquire of the spirit. Do you understand? People are always having accidents. Sometimes it is a demon of destruction, but how did that demon get in? Inquire of the spirit and make the changes. I'm telling you. There's one person the Lord said to me, he said, that person's lazy. They don't want to get a job. They get a handout from the government because they were sick. He said, but they like the handout so much. Now they won't believe me for healing. And he said, now because of that, the devil's had an open door because of their laziness. And now a spirit of sickness has come. Infirmity, not just what they had before was just natural. But now a spirit of infirmity has come and he said, they'll be sick for the rest of their life. And he said, I will not heal them until they repent of their laziness and get a job. I said, you want me to tell them that? Because Lord, I really think they should know. He said, nope. I said, but that's not fair, Lord. He said, they've got the same Holy Ghost that you do. He said, if I can talk to you, I can talk to them. He said, the difference is they won't pray. They won't seek me. They're just going to put up with their little stipend from the government and their broken body until the rapture. And he said, there's nothing you can do to help them, son. I said, okay, Lord. Well, I'm just going to pray that they'll inquire of the Spirit. And I'm going to preach sermons like this to help people inquire of the Spirit because this is their rescue. Not everything God will let me tell you. And most things God won't even show me. 
None of my business. He's not going to embarrass you. He wants to get it over to you. But if you don't inquire, you got to inquire. I'll end it with this because it's 1207. I'm going to quote you references because I don't have time to look them up because you take very long looking everything up. It's always easier to blame you. First John 2.20, you have an unction of the Spirit, an unction of the Holy One, and you know all things. You know, that doesn't mean you know all things, like you don't need to be taught, but you know, that's not what it's talking about. The context is, you don't need somebody to tell you what job to take. You got an unction. You don't need somebody to tell you where you've sinned. You got an unction. You don't need somebody to teach you how to be a good husband. You got an unction. <laughs> you got an unction, my brother and sister. Listen to the unction. He will guide you. Praise God. There is therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8, 1. Then we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. But if you're not walking in the spirit, there's going to be some condemnation. But if you just live right and you walk in the spirit and you follow the spirit, there's no condemnation and there's no sin and there's no open door. Okay? John 8, 8 says that our conscience guides us into sin. The conscience is the voice, not of the Holy Spirit, but of your spirit. When your human spirit communicates to you, that's your conscience. Obey that. You shouldn't need half the things the Holy Ghost to tell you because your own human spirit knows the difference of what's right and what's wrong. Follow your conscience. Romans 8.8 8 talks about that. I'm almost done. I'm just giving you some scriptures because we, we always like to give you scriptures. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9, it says godly sorrow leads us to repentance. Yes. Godly sorrow. You understand? When I prayed that next morning, there was a sorrow inside me. But that's not a bad kind of a sorrow. It is good to sorrow when you've been wrong. It shows that you've got a heart. It shows that you're soft. Don't be so hard-hearted when you've sinned. Have a holy sorrow. I said, Father, I am sorrowing. I am sorry. Now, don't stay in that because that leads to condemnation. But it's okay to start with some godly repentance that says godly sorrow leads to repentance. There will be a sorrow that comes on you when you've missed it. Don't rebuke it. Right. It's leading you to repent. And until you repent, you're going to keep the door open. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes. <sighs> Romans 2, 4. The goodness of God. 1 John 2, 20. Romans 8, 1. John 8, 8. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Romans 2, 4. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Not the punishment, not the anger. He is so kind and he's so merciful, but he does expect you to repent. Don't mistake his goodness for you getting away with murder. He is good, but he wants you to repent. Praise God. Now, of course, I didn't write it down, but it says give no place to the devil. I believe that's Ephesians 4, but I'm not sure. But you can look that up on your own. But I know Ephesians 4.30 says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. That means that things that, are, that grieve him. You're not doing right, grieves him. He'll merciful, merciful, merciful. He'll warn you if you inquire, you better change it because if you don't, eventually he's going to get your attention. And there's going to be problems. I don't want you to be sick, but I want you to pay attention. You better pay attention if you're going to live without sickness. You're going to pay attention if you're going to live without accidents. This was an accident because I didn't pay attention. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to be transparent, but the Lord said, would you do it for me? Because it's a rescue to some of them. I said, yes, sir, I most certainly will. And don't forget this false doctrine that's going around the body of Christ, and it is a false doctrine that you don't need to repent. That's a demonic doctrine from hell. In fact, the man that proselytes that, I don't even believe is born again. I think he's demon-possessed. 
demon possessed with the spirit of religion. And Randy Greer believes the same thing. In fact, he's the one that told me that. He said, that man that preaches that, he's not even born again. Raised up a church of 12,000 people and he's not even saved. Because he's demon possessed with a religious spirit that makes him look and act religious, but there's nothing inside of him that's right. He's bringing the entire body of Christ into error, making Christians think that you can do what you want and Jesus paid it all at the cross. He did pay it all at the cross, but you haven't received everything from the cross at the time of salvation. You received salvation, but when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous, that if we could confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us with his precious blood from all unrighteousness. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. And that is written to the church. First John was written to the church. So obviously if, you, if he can cleanse you, it means you can sin. If you can sin, you have to repent. And how do you know how to repent? You don't be condemned and heavy on that. You just inquire of the Spirit. And whenever He tells you, He'll lift you up when He asks you to repent. He won't push you down. That's condemnation. But if you're walking in the Spirit, He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. You'll feel lighter. And you'll say, honey, I want you to deal with that. Son, I want you to deal with that. Daughter, I want you to deal with that. You say, yes, Lord. Okay. And then you deal with it. And then I feel better. And then the door keeps closed and accidents and sickness stay out. Psalm 51, now listen now, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now this was David's prayer, but listen to me. A lot of people say to me, well, God knows my heart. And that is a joke and an excuse. David didn't say God knows my heart while he committed murder and adultery like it was an excuse. What did he do? He said, Lord, create in me something clean and something pure and something soft because I want to be right. That's why God overlooked so much with David. That's why God was honorable even to Solomon. Solomon missed him. He said, I'm not going to destroy you because of your dad's sake. And David sinned multiple times. But it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to justify sin. Don't misunderstand me. You can't sin. But it's not always just about the cut and dry of the sin. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. If you are quick to kneel down, quick to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to have a soft heart, a teachable heart, and a quick, a humble heart, and a repentant heart. And I'll make mistakes, Lord, but I will be very quick to repent to you. And I will make every effort to not repeat that behavior again. If you've got that kind of a heart, you can go far with God. Mercy will go very far with you. Doors will stay closed in your life. Are you listening? Because he's looking for the heart. He said, I'm, I'm looking look at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. He said, I looked for everybody and I found David, a man willing to do my will, a man after my own heart. That means that God has a humble, he's not mean, he's not proud, he is a t- he, he's not teachable because he can't be taught. You know what I'm saying? But he, his heart is soft. His heart is full of love. David's heart was soft even when he missed it. My heart, I was upset and mad at myself, not mad at God. That's why I said, I don't want to talk to you right now because I'm upset with myself for hurting you and letting you down because I knew I had, but I didn't know where. But as soon as I was able to turn my heart, within 12 seconds, he's right there because he loves a soft heart. You know, you can't even inquire frequently of the Holy Ghost if you don't have a soft heart. You think you're all that and you, you won't even hear him. 
He'll only come to you with a soft heart. So when you inquire of him, don't inquire like this. Well, Holy Ghost, I'm sure there's nothing, but if there is, you know, I guess I'll listen. You can say the same words with the wrong attitude. Holy Spirit, there may be some things. If there is, I humble myself and I listen. You see, I've said the same sentence. Completely different response to God. First time, he won't talk to you. Because the proud, he knows uh, far off. But the humble, he knows close and he gives grace. And the Bible says he lifts up the humble. So when I come to him humbly, I inquire of you, Holy Spirit. Show me, I will obey you. I don't want to let you down, but I probably did. Please help me. He's right there. When my sons come to me, even if they've made mistakes, and they say, Daddy, I missed it. There's everything in me. Sometimes there's still consequences, but everything in me wants to say, it's okay, boys, I'll help you. When they come and say, what are you? Don't even talk to me. If a natural parent has that response, how much do you think God the Father has that response? I'm not engaging you with pride. You don't get to come close to me with pride. When my leaders, and I have to discipline them, staff members, if they're proud, it's, like, it's the spirit of God in me that says, to hold them off. But when they come, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've done, and they come with humility, and I come with humility to those over me, and we all go to humility with God, there's a, come here. Everything be okay, baby. I got you. Son, I got you. My fingers, I took my hand away, but my fingers are still there because the devil still can't kill you. I don't play games with this because then he will kill you. But I've got your back. You're going to be okay. Your humble heart is the greatest asset you have with God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You asked me to tell them my story. So I told them my story because I don't want it to be their story. And yet many of them, it's about to be their story. Because you said, tell it for my sake, son, because I, it's going to be a rescue to some. Some are, fl- are flirting with disaster because you're trying to get things over and they will not change by their own stubborn will. And you are looking for a clean, pure heart. And if we don't have one because we are proud, at least let us pray like David did and say, Lord, create in me a humble heart, a clean heart. A My heart's not, but create in me. Lord, if we don't have it, let us ask you and you will put that heart in us. There's no excuse. If we don't have it, you'll give it. If we do have it, you'll increase it. But you're looking for that heart And you're looking for us to inquire. And you're looking for us to live right, not perfect, but to adjust the areas the Spirit of God puts his finger on. And if we'll do that, the door stays closed. The devil stays out. God's hand of protection and mercy stays in place. And sickness and accidents are far from us. So, Father, I've done exactly what you asked, and I know that you're pleased. And I thank you that these people and those watching will pay attention and listen. Jesus, you said many times, verily, verily, I say unto you, listen to what the Spirit of God says. Paul said, listen to what the Spirit of God says to the church. Father, I'm saying to them as their pastor, listen with spiritual ears this morning of what the Spirit of God would say to you and inquire more frequently and make changes as necessary so that you can live safe, And you can live long and you can live strong and you can live healthy and wealthy. I give you praise for it, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And now I'm asking you, Lord, I got deceived by the gray zone 
And I'm asking you to help them because I know some of them have convinced themselves that what they're doing is acceptable. But in your eyes, you're very, very black and white. There is right and there is wrong. There is righteousness and unrighteousness. And Lord, we have got to get back to some basic cut and dry activities because the world is trying to make everything okay. And it's not, not in your eyes. And if we want to move of God, we're going to have to live by your rules, Father, not by society's rules. So I thank you that you help us make the adjustments. I thank you for healing that has come into me. I thank you for healing that comes into them. And I thank you that they won't be condemned, but the next time an accident or sickness happens, they will not just blame the devil. They will realize I've opened the door somewhere. Let me go and talk to Jesus. He will help me. I'll repent. I'll close the door and his mercy will carry me and heal me and deliver me. But Lord, I don't want them to keep going through these problems. I don't want to go through them. So Lord, we're all humbling ourselves this morning to inquire of you more frequently. And I thank you that you'll help us and you'll aid us in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Be blessed, be blessed, and be blessed.